You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your own authority, financial planning, retirement accounts, really anything goes. If you've got a question, call me up. I'll do my best to get you an answer. We're going to get to those calls in just a couple minutes. You know, I've been talking uh, most of the, the last half of this year about all the opportunities and all the positive signs I've been seeing as far as rates and volume. And I've said many times that there are great opportunities right now in the trucking industry. And I've also said that it looks like we should have pretty strong indicators and a pretty strong industry you know, for the next, I, I've said five years, that's a long time to project out. So many things could change. Um, one of the things that I'm watching right now, and, you know, I, I've said as long as nothing changes, we have some real opportunities. But we do have to be careful of something that could really turn the economy down. And, one of the things I'm watching is right now oil prices are dropping like crazy and that's not necessarily a good thing for the economy. And here's the reason why as the oil prices drop, gas prices will drop and and other products as well. And that's good. That could stimulate the economy. But I think the reason we're seeing this drop, is that OPEC is realizing the U.S. is producing a lot of oil. And what they're doing to regain market share, and OPEC has done this before, is they will just start a price war. They will just ramp up production, lower the price on on the worldwide market, and if that price goes low enough, the U.S. can't afford to produce the oil they're producing. The Middle Eastern companies, countries that OPEC represents, they just do standard drilling. The oil's just in the ground. They drill it. Out it goes nice and cheap. But the shale oil that we're getting, the fracking, the, the oil that we're producing in the U.S. right now is fairly expensive to produce. And if OPEC keeps the prices down long enough, then the U.S. will have to stop producing that oil. And that's where... Um, we're going to see a, a big, big change in the economy. That could really slow the economy down because um, so much of the U.S. economy right now is hot because of oil production, because of all the fracking, and, and because of the jobs that that's creating. So just something to keep an eye on. 
And there are a couple other indicators. This did happen one other time. Uh, If you remember, prior to the kind of economic meltdown of 2008, we saw oil prices drop dramatically. Now, there are a couple other indicators that if they happen, and it has to do with junk bonds, um, it could be a sign. So I'll keep an eye on that. You know, the the thing is, even, I mean, I've looked at the numbers enough to know, even with a pretty serious economic downturn, if you're in the top half of the the industry, as far as owner-operators or small carriers, it's really not going to have a huge impact on you. But if you're in the bottom half, if you're, you know, not running a tight ship, it could have a huge impact on you. So one of the things that I've always tried to warn people about. If you start a business in good economic times or, or you make a major change, for example, we have a lot of owner operators now who are getting their own authority. And I think it's a great idea. I really do. I think this is one of the best times I've seen for having your own authority. And you can survive right now with your own authority, even if you're doing a lot of things wrong. Rates are strong, there's plenty of freight, and you can make a lot of mistakes and still survive. That's good in a sense. But the one thing you've got to be aware of, if you start a business in good times, you better pay attention and get that business healthy quick. Because if if the economy turns, I've seen a lot of businesses go out because of that. On the other hand, if you start a business in really bad times, for example, you know, the the current business we're running, our software, our website, the radio shows, we started that in 07, late 07, right into the downturn. And the first couple of years were really rough. But I'm confident now that as long as we maintain that type of fiscal management that we use to get us through those tough times, that we would be able to weather a downturn in the economy. You need to make sure that you're able to do that as well. So if you're getting your own authority or you just became an owner-operator and you've been doing it because the economy's good, that's okay. But just know you get the business healthy. That way, if we do see a downturn, you'll be okay. Let's uh, let's get started today in Georgia. Javin, welcome to the program. How you doing, um, Kevin? Um, I'm a member of profit gauges and um i was looking at my numbers i'm doing my numbers and they don't um look too good as of now yeah you're right let's uh let's try to figure out why not um i see some problems it might just be some data entry stuff i'm not sure uh your your revenue is only showing as a dollar 15 a mile is that possible yes because i used to deadhead um about 2,500 to 3,000 miles a month. So I uh, called you back in June and I uh, went out and got my own authority. So I can do a lot better as, as leased on to that company. So I'm going to put in my numbers in September and October. I started my own authority in September. Okay. September. That, that, you know, we really need to look at those. I mean, we can go through this. And, and one of the things I do want to talk about here, because I think it's got to be a mistake, um, is your fuel is showing up as, at a dollar thirty three a mile? That's just impossible. So I, I think there's a data entry error there. What I'd like to do is get you with Brittany, 
so she can go through this and figure that out for you because I, I'm sure that's a big mistake. Um, the rest of the numbers, you know, because the revenue's kind of weird, this number's off, it's really hard to say. So what I think I'd like to have you do is I'd like to get you with Brittany and let's fix this before you put in and then maybe even have her help you put in the September numbers. And then we could okay. go over it then. Because right now these numbers are so skewed, they're not going to do us much good. And you've changed operations. So let's take a look at that so we can compare the two. Okay. All right, so I'm going to put you back on hold. I'll have Lisa pick up, and we will schedule a time to get Brittany with you and uh, get you taken care of. Let's go to Texas. Mike, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Um, I've got a question. I've heard you talk about when you download um, books on the Kindle with your Audible, um, you get them as a discount. Is that all books I downloaded the uh, Fair Tax Now books, and I wanted, you know, to get them on Audible, but that, I'm not sure how you get that, that discount price. You know, I got to go back and figure that out because it, what was happening was sometimes when I was buying the book, right then it would pop up and say, you know, would you like to add? And I think it's always happened when I bought the Kindle version first. I don't know that it's ever happened. That's what if, I did. Yeah, I don't know if it's ever happened if I bought the Audible version first. I can't remember. But sometimes I'll be buying a Kindle book, and it, and I'll get a pop-up, and it'll say, you know, you could add the audio version of this book for $3 more, whatever it is. But I don't see it all the time. And, I, and I'm not sure if I don't see it how to find it. So maybe it's only on certain books, and if it is on that book, it pops up. I don't know. I'm going to have to do some research on that. Okay, I got another quick question, if I could. Sure. Um, I was at the CMC, I think, a couple of years ago. It's when you had that um, that extra thing, you know, the group. Uh, what was it, like three nights? Yeah. Okay. Uh, two years ago, I think. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. What I was wondering is if you ever thought about having... I'd like to go again, but I'd like to leave room, you know, for the people that haven't been to it, you know, and if you'd have something kind of the same venue there, but kind of separate that some of your team could teach things, you know, kind of a uh, more advanced thing or something like that. Hold, hold that thought. I'm going to come back and talk about that. That's a good question. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Roth.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. Before the break, I was talking with Mike in Texas. Mike, you still with me? Yes. Okay. So what we're working on this year, and it's similar to what you're talking about, because we have so many people who do come back to the event year after year after year that we've decided now to try to make it uh, a little more flexible in what you can attend. For example, Mike Beckett's uh, material almost never changes. You know, there aren't that many changes happening in wheels and alignment. He does the same thing every year and it's great material, but if you've seen it two or three times, you probably would rather see something else. And we realize that. So this year we're trying to work out breakout sessions where not everybody who is attending is seeing the same thing. So we, we have uh, talk to a lot of other people about presenting different material, new material. We'll be doing a lot more this year about getting your own authority and operating as a carrier. Uh, you know, we've had, we've talked about doing more on financial planning and more on budgeting and uh, spreadsheets. And we have all these topics we want to cover. The The tough part is the logistics of it all, figuring out the scheduling and the rooms and the space we have available at the hotel so this year we're going to make our first attempt at that and we're we're probably the other thing that would allow us to do is get more people in because right now you know 225 people is the most we can get into the main room at one time but if we're doing smaller groups then maybe we'd be able to have 300 people total attend because you'll be moving around in, you know, different sessions. So we are looking at that and we're going to attempt it this year. We're just not sure how big we'll make it. I I don't want to try something so drastic that we screw the whole thing up. um, So possibly next year you might have like an a la carte thing then. And then, yeah. um, yeah, this year we're 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 going to kind of schedule it and see how it works, but we're not going to hold anybody to that, you know, you have to be here and here. So we'll kind of give it a shot this year and then see how it goes and, you know, see how the scheduling works with all the different rooms. It's just a, it's a lot of logistics and we're we're in the middle of working on those logistics now, but that is the direction that we're going to move the CMC is that it will be a week-long event, but you'll be able to kind of pick and choose. We'll, we've talked about three different lanes, and, and that's the ultimate goal. I'm just not sure we can make that work yet. But the, the three different lanes, for example, there would be a, a schedule – for the week for people who aren't owner operators yet, but want to become owner operators. So they would have a certain schedule of sessions they would go through. Then the second lane might be people who are owner operators and they are leased to a carrier. So they would have a schedule of things and sessions they would go through for the week. And then the third lane would be uh, owner operators with authority and carriers and they would have a schedule. Now, you know, about 70% of the material is the same for everybody when it comes to things like maintenance and fuel mileage and bookkeeping. And many of those things are the same. But then the other 30% would depend on which lane you are in. That's the direction we're taking the event. And we just have to work out all the details. 
Let's go to Ohio. Nick, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. My question is about auto shift transmissions. I'm looking at buying an 05 International with a Cummins that has an auto shift in it, 851,000 miles on the current setup. What things should I be looking for when it comes to this transmission, and what is the life expectancy of one of these transmissions, if you know that? Yeah, I, I do. The The life expectancy of the mechanical part of the transmission, the gears and that, very similar to a, a standard a, a manual transmission because the transmission is manual. That's why we call them auto shift, not automatic. So it, it is a manual transmission, the same transmission we've had for decades. We just have a, a computer and uh, actuator shift the transmission for you. So the life expectancy is is at least as long as it's always been and actually a little longer because the computer, unless something malfunctions, really never misses a shift, doesn't grind gears. So it's actually easy on the, the transmission, the mechanical part of it. The, the downside to these transmissions is they are prone to electrical problems that can be very hard to diagnose. And if you get stuck with one like that, it's very frustrating. Uh, the Meritors are worse because nobody's really servicing that transmission anymore. The Eaton, the chances of having those kind of problems aren't quite as bad. But we've, we've had, I had a, an issue with an auto shift that was very frustrating. And occasionally I get calls and it's the same thing as, you know, they just start throwing parts at it and they can't figure it out. And, and, it, and the transmission can be very frustrating because they tend to lock in gear and it's not one of those things you can fix on the side of the road. So you're usually looking at a tow bill. So I do like the auto shift in some ways. I've had several of them, but that electrical issue kind of turned me off from them a little bit. I've got another question for you, though. Why are you buying an 05? Well, the um, I have the option between an 05 and a 13 international. And why? The why do you whole, the why, whole DPF? Hold, and, on, hold on. Why? Why do you only have the choice of those two trucks? Um, for the carrier that I'm on with and everything, uh, with the particular job that we're doing, um, it's what I have available to me. Is it because um, it's a very, least very, you're buying the truck through the carrier? No, I'm actually not buying it through the carrier. Then I, I'm um, I'm confused. Why just these two specific trucks? I don't understand that. That's what I have available to me. Um, the truck that I had uh, hold, went out on me. Hold on. Explain. And I've got X amount of days. Well. Yeah, but see, that's a lousy reason to buy the wrong truck because then you're stuck with it forever. I mean, if you have X amount of days, you know, I'd rent a truck. I, I You're saying that this is all that's available to you, but I'm not understanding that because there's 100,000 trucks available right now. Why, why just these we, two? I don't, it's not making any sense. What, and the reason I'm asking is because I might be able to give you better advice if I can understand what's going on. They've been converted um, instead of a uh, 
they're single axles because we're running a dedicated um, UPS freight. Uh, location A to location B, loaded up, empty, coming back, um, and that kind of thing. Uh, I only have X amount of days to get back into the contract, but I have to maintain a certain weight uh, and be under a certain weight with the tractor. That's why I'm having issues at looking at renting stuff because I don't have that ability to just go out and, okay, give me a standard truck. What the uh, the leasing agent that we deal with, what they have is they've got a handful of 13s and they've got two or three uh, 05s. Yeah, uh, see, for I, the price, I, I can't. I, I, again, I'm... I'm it, I can, whatever the criteria is for that truck, single axle, certain weight, I, I guarantee you I could find a truck in two days that would meet that criteria. Okay, and where can I find that information? Well, okay. I've so looked it, through it, truck it, paper. Okay, it needs to be a single axle. <clears throat> Here's the other yes. thing. I, I can convert a tandem to a single in a day. I mean, that's not a big job. Okay. So now it opens up all the possibilities of all the tandem axle tractors that are available, which, again, we're talking tens of thousands. I mean, I, I just and it needs to be a certain weight. Well, if they've got trucks available that meet that weight, that can't be that hard to do. So single axle and a certain weight. I, I'm just not seeing where the criteria is that big of a deal. Now, for me, and the reason I'm making maybe it, I've overcomplicated it. I think so. And the reason I'm making, you know, I, I want you to think hard about this is the two years of trucks right now that two or three years, the, the worst I think I, w I just wouldn't buy would be 04, 05, and 06. The earliest of the emission engines, we had tons of problems with them. And you're buying a truck, it's 05. It's already 10 years old, basically. Why not go a year or two older? We can find the same miles and, and get away from emissions completely. Okay. So I, I oh, you've I, given me some. Yeah, I, I would. I, I would rethink this. In fact, I, I I can promise you there is no way I would buy that 05 you just described to me. Wouldn't happen. And I certainly don't want a 13. They don't have an age requirement, so go look for a good 03. Whatever the requirements are, I guarantee I could find that truck in less than a week or I could build it from a, a tandem converted to a single. Lots of options here. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. If you need any help, um, we have a team here, the Let's Truck team. 
we can help you out with all kinds of things. Uh, if you've got questions, if you need any help with your accounting, if you need a scan gauge, you want to order anything from our store, whatever it might be, just give us a call. 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. Let's, uh, let's go back to the phones. We're off to Wisconsin this time. Randy, welcome to the program. How you doing, Kevin? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm trying. I've been driving a 2009 Cascadia uh, 10 speed. So I'm in a lease program, and a truck opened up. I know you like the older trucks. It's a 99 Century with an N14 10-speed. I mean, it's cheaper, of course. It has 300,000 miles on the rebuild. I mean, would you stick with the 09? I ain't had no problems with the 09, but I know the older trucks, they don't have all that electrical stuff. What do you think? Well... I would make this decision by the numbers. So right now on your current 09, what is your cost per mile for fuel? Yeah, I haven't figured that out. So I'm, I, I get my average round trip is I only, I only with the Cascade, I only get 6.4 miles a gallon. So. With it, well, yeah, no. if you don't know your fuel cost per mile, my guess is you don't know the maintenance cost per mile either, right? Right, pretty much. See, yeah. that—that's—that's the problem. It, it, it's really tough to make decisions without the numbers because that—that's the whole right. thing here. If this O nine is doing okay, but but I don't know that till I can hear the numbers. The six point four miles to the gallon certainly doesn't excite me. I mean that—that's nothing right. to, to get excited about. But I can't see the maintenance cost. My my gut feeling is I, it's hard to go wrong with the older trucks. There just aren't that many things that could really hurt us with an older truck. The newer trucks, that's not the case. I've seen newer trucks just put people out of business, either with the cost of the maintenance or all the downtime. So to answer your question on the surface, I would say you're probably better off getting out of the 09 and, and looking at this other deal. I don't have any of the numbers on it. But more importantly, more importantly, you've got to get your accounting done. I, that, that is the real answer here because we don't know the right answer to this question without the numbers, and you shouldn't be running a business without the numbers. So get your accounting caught up. Call me back. And then we can go through it. And that's the most important thing right now. Not which truck you have. It's how you're not running this like a business and you need to start. Let's uh, let's go to Texas. Sean, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a comment about one of your shows you like to talk about, The, uh, the Prophet. Yeah. I think I've watched 20 episodes over the weekend. Isn't that a I, – I love that show. That guy is so amazing when he walks into a business, looks around, and said, okay, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And, and it's just amazing to watch him transform the business. I have my 8-year-old daughter. She's already hooked on the show. She likes watching that. Anything business, I mean, she's, she's, she's a mini-me. So it's a, oh, that's, it's a great show. I'm sure Shark Tank. I'm going to wait until the holidays to start that uh, – open that can of worms. Oh, yeah, that uh, – uh, that those two shows just absolutely love them. 
Oh, yeah. I highly recommend it. It'll just, just watching the show will make you be a better business owner because you, you'll pick up a few cues. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have a – I asked Lisa to pull up my fuel gauges. I've got it here in front of me. And I, uh, I'm sure you might like my, uh, my handle. But uh, Yeah. I um, <clears throat> That's based on pulling – I run Central Texas. I average uh, about 2,000 miles a week. I haul um, pipe, uh, PDC pipe, so I haul about eight feet tall, and I have typically about an eight-foot gap. So aerodynamics is not very, uh, very good. But I run about 53 miles an hour loaded or empty. Sometimes I have to run 70 if I have to get two trips in in a day. But my average length of haul is only about 240 miles. Okay. So I usually don't have to exceed, but. I am, my truck is 2010 Cascadia, um, 336 rear 10 speed. And I am starting to run more city. Like I run Houston, San Antonio, Austin, Dallas. Um, and I do a lot of city driving. And I'm actually getting a lot more runs that are multi stop, which pay a lot more. I mean, the average multi stop that I can do pays on average $4 a mile. Um, and I really want an auto shift. I'm done shifting gears. And, I like the gearing of a Volvo. I like the run in 11th direct on the XB13, and I like the 12th if I need it uh, with a 264. Um, what increase, obviously emissions aside, what increase do you think I could see having a more aerodynamic truck? Because my truck has no bearings. Um, what would you say? Would it be almost a mile per gallon gain or too tough to sell? Well, I, I, I just want to be clear. You're actually thinking about getting a different truck, right? Yes. I, I have well, to either um, – I'm going to put somebody in this truck, and I have a, I have three other trucks. They're all trucks that I bought through my company or through, through the company I'm leased to, and I'm looking to buy one for myself. Okay. Um, and so, I'm just trying to get an idea. Yeah, one of the reasons it's hard to answer a question like that, as you said, you know, what would happen if I replace this truck with one that's more aerodynamic? Well, the aerodynamics we could figure out, but the problem is when you replace this truck with any other truck, not only the aerodynamics change, everything changes. Yeah. So you can't, we can't really make a comparison. We could say if you took this truck and you put a full aerodynamic package on it, but this is already a Cascadia. I mean, it's already aerodynamic. It's just not, you don't have some fairings or some skirts or things like that. So, you know. The gearing is my biggest concern. I mean, they, they expect these trucks to go 65, and I run yeah, 53. So yeah, the, the gearing I'm 50, is. I'm running 53 at 1,150 RPM, which will do. Right. You know, but going up hills, no problem. Then ninth is too, not, not, you know, I, yeah. I had another gear. Well, and first of all, right now. You know, your your mileage is good. It's not, you know, the numbers we get really crazy exciting about. But if you look at not just your your fuel mileage, but if you look at your fuel cost, you're only yeah, I pay, I pay. 39 cents a mile. I mean, that's insane. That's one of the lowest cost of fuel I've seen in a long time. Our carrier, which is based in Springfield, Missouri, we get the Texas fuel because I only fill up in Texas. Um, I filled up on Sunday. If you look at that ticket on the 30th, um, we got it at a pilot in New Brunsville, Texas, for 259 a gallon that day, just for wow. one day. Wow. And I, and I filled up last night for 278. Now, that's taken the, uh, that's, that's before the, uh, state tax. Right. 
Right. Now those are, you know, the, so the cost is, is good. The, the gearing, yeah, we could make some improvements there. There's no question, but to, to try to predict, you know, a more aerodynamic truck, we get, we have to look at all the other factors too. So exactly. And I understand. I mean, our Cascadia evolutions that we have now are 2014. Um, I'm friends with the person who specs all the trucks. I wish I was friends with them. I would change the mind on a few things um, when, when they got these 2010s in. They have seen just between my truck and the evolutions of 1.15 mile per gallon increase because they did change the gearing a little bit. And they obviously the, the whole truck is completely different different setup. Right, right. But uh, I was, I, obviously I can't compare a Freightliner to a Volvo because that's what I'm looking at. I really don't want to buy anything new. Um, I, unfortunately, I have a lot of age restrictions, but I, I – Want, I'm going to have knee surgery done in spring, and I do not want to be used as much metal anymore. So I do as much city driving. I, I, you know, those numbers that you see, they're all back roads and they're all city driving. I, I rarely hit the interstate. Yeah, those are so, those uh, are good good fuel numbers then, and and I agree. I mean, I, I did a, I've done a lot of city work in my time, and and I'd love an auto shift in doing a lot of city work. And like I say, I, I, I've I've got mixed emotions about them. I like them. Uh, I like the flexibility of an auto shift where I can let the computer shift it if I'm feeling lazy, or I can put it in manual and shift myself to get better fuel economy. I like that. I like that flexibility, and it really still is a manual transmission. The downside is if you get one that has the electrical problems, you can spend a lot of money trying to troubleshoot them. So I, I'm a little hesitant. I used to recommend them a lot. I'm a little hesitant to recommend them now. I, I, I'd let people know that is an issue you could run into. They can be expensive to troubleshoot if you start to see some electrical problems. Uh, I'm looking at the clock and the music's playing. That means I'm going to have to get to a break, but we've got more stuff right around the corner. Don't go away. The number to call us if you need some help, 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's head off to Las Cruces. Adrian, welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, Kevin. What can I help you with today? Can you hear me? Yeah, I am. Uh, I've not been good with oil samples at all, and I finally took. Uh, well, I've been using uh, the bypass filters and everything, and. Uh, 
uh, just not good with oil samples at all. So I finally took samples, and I'm a little worried about truck 510. Okay. Uh, fuel, dilution, and, and iron. Yeah, so truck 511, let's just get that one out of the, the way first because that is super clean. I mean, that, that oil looks like you just poured it out of a out of the jug. It's so clean. That's an yeah. ISX. What year is it? That's a 2006 ISX. Wow, you've got a good one. We hardly ever yeah. see an ISX with an oil sample that clean. So on that truck, just keep doing what you're doing. On the truck yep, number okay. 510, uh, C12 Cat, yep. does this truck idle a lot? Uh, we, um, yeah, uh, well, not, uh, they park, uh, I got two drivers in it and we do a uh, crude oil with it. So we do, we do a lot of PTO work with it. Okay. And when, uh, when you yeah, run we, the, we, when you run the PTO, are you getting the engine up to operating temperature? Yeah, it's 1,400 RPM. Um, it is 1,400. So that shouldn't do it. So let's set aside the no. PTO work for a second. Other than the PTO, is there just plain idling going on? No. Okay. Um, because he, he actually, that driver lives in a camper, and he's, you know, he, and that, that thing is shut down every night. The Volvo, the Volvo, the five. 11 actually idles a lot, the one with the clean oil sample, so. Yeah, well. That doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, some some engines can idle for days and not really produce any fuel dilution. Um, Others, they will if you let them idle too much. Here's here's the thing with the cat right now. I'm going to say just keep an eye on this. And the reason why is because this fuel dilution is not that bad. And I'm not seeing okay. any other problems yet. It's not really causing yeah. any wear metals. It it hasn't, you know, it's not a big problem with the viscosity or the base. And too many times we go in and start messing with an injector or injectors and, and things get worse. So mm-hmm. I, I would say if this stays under five, Let's keep an eye on it. If the next sample or any okay. sample comes in over five, then you're going to have to go in and do the injectors. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're not that old. I mean, the truck the truck has been rebuilt before, so the engine. And, yeah, uh, that's yeah, why. To be. Uh, that's one, why I'm hesitant one, to. One yeah. problem. That's right. why I'm hesitant to go in right now. This isn't bad, and it's not causing any problems. So let's just wait and see on this one. Let's go to Nebraska. Dave, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How you doing today? Good. What can I help you with? <laughs> well, Kevin, I got a couple questions about tires. and, and uh, uh, I've got a T660 with a Cummins, 13-speed, uh, uh, 533 rear ends. Uh, anyway, 355s, <laughs> a little bit different. And uh, I've got 24 fives on here. I'm getting about... Uh, Oh, average lifetime about 7.2, okay? Uh, we've done a few things to, to this and that. And my son has got 22.5s, a truck exactly like mine, only he's got 22.5s on it. And he's also got a, uh ultra shift, I guess you call it, a 10-speed ultra shift with a clutch pedal. Okay. Uh, my, question, my question to you is, would we gain anything, am I thinking wrong by, he's got 22.5 low pros, if we would put twenty four five 
calls on his and slow the RPM down, probably three to 400 RPM compared to, and get it more like mine, if that's possible. Would that save any fuel for us? No. This isn't a, and I understand the logic behind this. The problem is the lower RPMs might improve fuel economy. There's a good chance it will, but Uh that's not always a guarantee. But the other problem is the bigger tire will hurt fuel economy. The bigger tire has. Right. Yeah. So most of the time, at best, it's a wash. And, and it's just not okay. worth screwing around with. I, I would keep the low pro 22.5s. That's the tire we want. If you need to make a change, in this case, I would make a change in the gearing. Okay. Okay. And that brings me back to the point of the transmission. It's got a 10-speed in it, automatic. And I, I, there's a myth out there that uh, this can be changed into a 13-speed manual. Is there any truth to that? Well, it's possible, and without knowing the model number, I don't know for sure. Many, well, wait a minute. I don't think any of the 10 speeds could ever be converted to 13. They were nine speeds that could be converted. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, Yeah. I don't don't remember any 10 speeds. Now, I I could be wrong. There might be one. I'm just not aware of it, but I don't remember any 10 speeds that can be converted. The converting an auto shift to a manual can be done. I have a couple companies that Uh have done a lot of those, but I don't think you can make this one a 13 speed. So, and... Even in some of the convertibles, when you convert it from a 9 to a 13, you don't change the top gear. The The top gear ratio is exactly uh-huh. the same, so you don't end up uh-huh. changing the RPMs at all. Okay. So that'd be a kind of a wash issue, really, too. It's a little bit of a dog between 9th and 10th. He's got quite a few little bit of horsepower, but it's still, I mean, I just eat that truck up going up hills. We all in the Midwest, and, and I'm lagging way back behind him just for giggles or whatever and then yeah. when we get in the hills we're, we're going the same speed and i just i catch him in a quarter of a mile just, yeah and so what gears are yours uh 355s and his is 355s oh why do we think there's a gearing problem well uh between ninth and tenth gear and his and the automatic it it really dogs it down it's almost like a regular 10 speed you know, uh, compared to my 13 speed, it's just a night and day difference. At least in, that's my opinion. Maybe you can set me straight, but uh, yeah, they're, we'd like they're... to go with the 13 speed in that truck is what I would really like to do. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't think the, the pulling problem is the transmission. It, certainly okay. when we can split a gear, it helps a little bit. But I'm really uh-huh. not going to get up the hill that much faster with the 13 speed over a 10. I think this is a performance issue. I think if you were to put okay. both these trucks on the dyno, you would find a big difference between horsepower and torque. That's probably exact. That could very well be Kevin. Yes, that's what it acts like to me. I mean, I'm It's 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 uh, it's just a no. I mean, it sounds it's like I'm passing him in a car compared to his yeah and yeah i would so be looking at at performance issues because the the drivetrain is so close on these two trucks that you shouldn't see uh-huh. any significant performance difference a, a little bit like i said okay. if we were if we were drag racing up the hill 
you'd have that advantage of being able to split a gear and you'd be able to to shift a little sooner than I could and you would pull away uh-huh. a little bit. But if these two trucks were putting out the same horsepower and torque, the driveline differences are, are so minor that, that it just wouldn't okay. make much of a difference going up a hill. I, I agree with you because I just leave mine on cruise and I can just uh, go around. I, I got to take it off cruise. I'll run in the back and yeah. go around him. That's how so yeah. I'd say you're probably right on performance. Yeah. Be a, oh, I'm sorry. Like a, a, a air filter. That's okay. Air filter problem. It mainly be a, uh, uh, who knows what it could be. It could be performance wise. We could, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the first steps we could do it, when I'm trying to troubleshoot a truck for performance, the first thing we do is an oil sample. Uh, if we see high soot, then we know we're not getting complete combustion. And that's certainly a performance issue. We might see fuel dilution. We might see fuel dilution and high soot. Uh, we might see a lot of blow by. All of those things could affect performance. Um, that would help us. And then ultimately, we could put both of these trucks on a dyno and we could see what the horsepower and torque output of each truck was. And my guess is you're going to see a pretty significant difference. The truck that is really pulling better, it, it's an engine issue. It's not a driveline issue. These two drivelines are, are too close uh, to be very different. Uh, I am looking at the clock and it looks like I'm going to have to get out of here. Uh, Jonesy's up next with the all night truck stop. Stick around for that. If you, uh, if you need any help, we have lots of resources available. You can check out the website. It's let's truck.com. You can also call us. We're always here to help. That number is 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. We'll see you back here next time. Thanks for choosing to spend an hour of your time with me tonight. I really do appreciate it. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rutherford. for tuning in to the audio road if you have any questions give us a call at 855-800-FUEL that's 855-800-3835 check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash let's truck